This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Markin' Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 668. Make sure that you're checking out MarkinOut.com, listening and subscribing over on Spotify and wherever else you may be listening to the podcast. And make sure you give a five-star rating. Also, at the current time, there is a sale taking place over at ProWrestlingTees.com. So, make sure you cash in on that one. We got 20% off of our t-shirts, which you know you want to gift to somebody. So, head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash out. Give us a follow over on Instagram, MarkingOut11. Give us a follow over on Twitter, at MarkingOut. Also, give us a like over on Facebook. Check us out on TikTok and anywhere else over on social media. I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave. You can follow me at DavidPTDPT over on anywhere. You can follow Brandon at BTTG161 anywhere. And you can follow Chris over at Chris Sweendog over on Twitter and CM Sweeney85 on Instagram. But that being said, it was Thanksgiving and we are all thankful for all of you listeners. So thank you for listening and supporting us and giving us a reason to continue this podcast. We love you. But that being said, I am going to introduce to you the man. The myth, the legend, the Thanksgiving crusher, him who has not been named yet, or has he, he has, Brandon, Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome as always, this is weird because we're talking post Thanksgiving, however, it's currently not Thanksgiving yet, so we don't know how Thanksgiving was, but how was your week? My week was uh, relaxing, relaxing, it was nice, it was incredible, and well needed, very well needed. You know, how was yours? The main thing was really just prepping food for Thanksgiving. Yeah? Because I made, I, I'm i going to call it stuffing, it's technically dressing, because it's not inside the bird, mm-hmm. but I made stuffing... I made the green bean casserole again with uh, the the homemade from scratch mushroom soup. So technically I make three dishes. That's cool. Even though it's four, two dishes. Uh Uh-huh. I put in a lot less mushrooms to the stuffing than I did last year. Why? I didn't feel like cutting. And then I tried, I used a, uh, man, I had a lot of difficulties this year. (laughs) I, I went and I went to go like dice up the celery mm-hmm. for the stuffing and right off the bat, like the knives like slipped out of my hand and the, everything oh, that geez. I cut, everything I cut flew on the floor and I was like, screw this, give me the machine. And I went to use, we have a KitchenAid slicer that I don't a hundred percent fully understand how to use. Uh huh. So, because 
there has to be something that I'm missing, but I use that. And then it cut the the carrots and celery like the long way, which I don't want the long way. That's who cuts it the long way. I think because it like what like to a certain point, what you're cutting it, and and to a certain point, you're not able to control the the vegetable anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's just laying in the surface, going around cutting. Yeah. So I had to chop that up. And then I uh, I did the mushrooms by hand, and I did the onion by hand, and from what I tasted before, I didn't cook the the stuffing or the green bean casserole yet, but I tasted the vegetable mixture for the stuffing. And how did it taste? Well, prior to mixing it with the egg mixture, I guess, and it was good. So I have very high hopes for that stuffing. And uh, this year, I just, I couldn't do the onion thing anymore with the, the fried onions for the green beans. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel gross doing that, but I'm using store-bought, those like French fried onions or whatever. I love those. I like them, but they're just not the same as like the actual fried onions. Mm-hmm. What I should have done was go to Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> <laughs> because they have the fried onions there. So I could have just been like, I'll take like, I probably just need two orders of them as like a side dish even. Mm-hmm. So, but no, I'm using the, the gimmicked onions and it, it looks fine so far. So my fingers are crossed. I'll, I'll know more next week. Mm-hmm. So, but what are you, uh, you doing anything good for Thanksgiving? You're going to, I, uh... I guess we went to. We're going to. Uh, Thanksgiving was in New Jersey. It was in New Jersey. Every uh, The family is going to be there. And yeah, New Jersey. How about you? Just here. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Very I think cool. I just heard like a dog bark. I don't know what that was. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had some professional wrestling, which I found out, by the way, if you go to wrestling.com, it's WWE. That's interesting. I wonder if they're like those country bumpkin southerners <laughs> who, who still call it wrestling. Yeah. They might very... They might just go to wrestling.com and let's let's link our site to that. Yeah, that's interesting, but let's get on to it, and let's talk about some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro, which kicked off with Drew McIntyre basically saying that he can't be blamed for what he did last week to Jay Uso, costing Jay and Cody Rhodes that tag title match. And that Jay Uso and the Bloodline made him do it. And he brought up Cody Rhodes attacking Jimmy and Solo on SmackDown and people telling both Cody and Drew to get over it and nobody should be telling them to get over it, which I kind of, uh, not kind of, I agree. He has like 100%. He's in the right to not trust any member of the bloodline. Yeah, I totally agree with him. I mean, he got totally screwed out of that and... It was a screw job in front of his entire family and his friends and one of the biggest moments for him. And it's because of the bloodline. 
that he's not champion. Yeah, at Clash of the Castle, he could have had it, and the bloodline cost him everything. And he also clarified that he's not in the Judgment Day, he's just on their team for war games. And that uh, Rhea Ripley gave him a chance to be locked in a cage with Jey Uso, and Drew said, yeah, of course. Jey Uso's gonna catch a heat down. Yeah. And then the Judgment Day showed up to back him up, and Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn, and Cody Rhodes came out, and it looked like they were going to brawl, but Adam Pearce, who I think has been doing a phenomenal job, not just like in recent months, but on screen, on WWE TV, I think he's a phenomenal character. Mm -hmm. He separated them before anything could happen, and then... He basically told the the faces that they need to pick a fifth partner and it needs to be known by uh, 9 o'clock who will be facing who for the advantage in war games. Yeah, putting the pressure on them, you know? Which I feel like that didn't really uh, come into play. Like it did throughout the night. I know afterwards uh, Damian Priest said that as the leader of the team... Rhea Ripley should have asked him first before including Drew McIntyre. So there's still like more tension added there between him and Rhea Ripley. Yeah. But he did say that he thinks that he should be the one to be in that advantage match. And she was like, "Mm, we should wait for Drew McIntyre. So I'll talk more about that obviously in a moment. Mm-hmm. First match of the evening, we saw Nia Jax pick up the victory over Raquel Rodriguez, which I actually enjoyed this match, and I thought it was good. I thought that this was a good match. You know, it was definitely a solid match between the both of them, especially being the two powerhouses of uh, the WWE Women's Division. Um, I think I think Nia Jax. We've said this recently. Since she's been back, she's gotten a lot of hate, and nobody's really given her a chance. But I thought this match really worked in favor for both Nia Jax and Raquel Rodriguez. I agree with you. I think that it was definitely a nice, hard-hitting match. There was just a few parts that I wasn't a fan of. Um, I understand Raquel Rodriguez putting over Nia Jax as being like um, uh, another powerhouse, you know, with the difficulty of lifting her up and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's nothing new that we haven't seen. We've seen people do it against Yokozuna. We've seen people do it against Nia Jax in the past. We've seen just whenever there's that size difference, there's always that comparison and that difficulty like in a body slam or if you're picking them up from the ground. Um, Something that I didn't like was where Nia Jax was on the back of Raquel Rodriguez. And it looked like the way that Raquel Rodriguez caved in I'll say like she went downward the way that she went downward with Nia Jax on her back I didn't like it just because it didn't look the most safe if she went down differently or without bringing the knees into such hyperflexion I would have been okay with it um and then the other spot that's that's the the doctorate side of you (laughs) yeah the the other side the other thing I was very torn off by was the turnbuckle spot where once again you had that that the powerbomb spot. Yeah, well, Raquel kept trying to get Nia Jax up, and she really couldn't. And then finally, she Nia Jax went for that bonsai for what the the uh, annihilator, I believe it's called now. And Raquel tried for that powerbomb, and 
obviously Nia Jax squashed her and that led to the end of the match but yeah I know... but that 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 powerbomb um spot I was not a fan of just because I thought that it, it I would have been fine with it but I didn't like that Nia Jax wasn't like legit putting her feet on the ropes to at least assist Raquel with well I think she was supposed her... to walk with it huh I felt like she was supposed to walk with it I don't know. Even if because she, she was... had to get far enough away to be like cleared from the corner for when she bumped. But I th- I thought that even if she was gonna because she stood there for a while with her up like that, I thought that Nia Jax could have put her feet on the ropes just to take alleviate some of that pressure off of Raquel's uh, lower extremities. And I didn't really like that spot, but. Overall, yeah. I thought this was a good match. After that, we saw Becky Lynch pick up the victory over Zia Lee with uh, Lyra Valkyria, the NXT Women's Champion, sitting ringside. Uh, but I, I feel like, or I, I don't feel like this match was what I was expecting from Zia. I mean, do we go back to saying Zia who? No, I don't think so. I, she She did kick Becky Lynch, and Becky rolled out of the ring, so it wasn't like... With Candice LeRae and with Indy Hartwell, it was like a clear knockout eventually. Mm -hmm. But this one just knocked Becky Lynch out of the ring. And Becky's really the only person that so far that we've seen recover recently, at least, from that kick. Mm -hmm. And Becky got in the ring and hit that manhandle slam to pick up the victory. So I don't think it did any damage to Zia Lee in losing that. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she still did get that kickoff. Well, she did. I My whole thing is like you built up Zia Lee so much. And not to fast forward, but she has two big losses within the same week. Yeah, that I don't think. That's that, that's that's these my... two matches. This match should have happened like, well, I would say next week. But what happened afterwards, damage control showed up and they they ended up getting attacked by Charlotte Shotzi and Bianca Belair and it led to a big brawl so in all honesty i i don't know what they have planned obviously for NXT next week but i feel like Zia Lee versus Lyra Valkyria probably should have happened next week instead yeah especially just... cuz Zia could have gotten like a, an actual big victory on raw next week that yeah. that makes her look strong again yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. Um, I think that, I mean, I would have rather seen Zia Lee look very strong, at least get one victory this week, but you can't pair Zia, like, I feel like they set Zia Lee up right. for failure. Especially with that aftermath, too. You needed Becky to be Becky. Exactly. And then you have, I mean, I'm going to just fast forward. In NXT, she loses that title match that's, Two huge matches for Zia Lee, Becky Lynch, and then Valkyria. And but again, champ- I don't think Zia looked weak in either of those matches. I don't think I don't think she looked weak, but I think that the character wise looks weak because you just told me. I don't me, think so. Well, you just told me how strong she was, how powerful. One kick can knock out anybody. She just knocked out Candice LeRae. She just knocked out former champion Indy Hartwell. But now, she's going to pick up two losses after good matches, but still picking up two losses. I feel like it's just hard to come back from this. But we'll see. I don't know. After Next that, up, 
you had Johnny Gargano talking about Indy Hartwell. Johnny Gargano picking up the victory over Ludwig, Ludwig Kaiser. Um, this match was good. Kaiser, by the way, was annoyed with Giovanni Vinci because of what he did last week. And yeah. uh, Vinci basically said, I'm doing what's best for Imperium. Mm-hmm. I liked this match. I was surprised that it went as long as it went. But I I was very entertained by this. Yeah. At first, I wasn't so... like I was like, okay, it's it's whatever. But as the match progressed, I was like, I'm, I'm fully into this. And Giovanni Vinci was not ringside for a majority of this. Ciampa was. And when Giovanni showed up, it distracted Ludwig. And that cost him the match. Mm-hmm. And later on, Kaiser yelled at Giovanni and Gunther shows up and told him to explain himself. And he told him, uh, and, and and Kaiser is like, I told Giovanni Vinci to stay away. And then Gunther like turns it around on Kaiser. So, and then he put Giovanni over again for thinking for uh, Imperium. Mm-hmm. So, Again, now Kaiser's getting pissed off that it's not him getting praised, it's Giovanni Vinci getting praised. And I like that, like, there's even, I don't want to say, like, playing field or whatever, but we're getting some weeks where it's, where it's, I mean, we've spent a good amount of time where Kaiser's been the one that's being put over by Gunter, and Giovanni's been the one that's been yelled at. So now that it's, like, flipped, I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah. That's true. And then after that, we saw a Miz TV segment with Gunter. Uh, Miz spoke about what the Intercontinental Championship means to him. Which, by the way, did you hear? I just got so annoyed. Did you see that uh, or hear that Dave Meltzer clip about the Miz this week? No, what happened? Where he he said that it basically claims that Miz wasn't a real fan because he's never been to a, a live event, a house show. What? Like as a kid or whatever. And it's like, how does that determine fandom? Meltzer's an idiot. He he was like, I used to bike ride to live events. That's because Meltzer's also <laughs> 75. Like, I, I, it, it, I wanted an, nothing gets, more than The Miz to respond to that because it very much so annoyed me. He's an idiot. I think it's even stupid to even talk about on this podcast, you know? Yeah, 100%. I don't like talking about yeah, Dave, Dave Meltzer, but that... Dave that Meltzer is not re- worth a breath of of air of anybody. It the just guy's very much so annoyed me. But Gunter basically ran down the Miz's accolades. He did the whole Money in the Bank, the, the two-time Grand Slam champion... And he said, 20 years later in your career, you still do not belong. You should be in the crowd, behind the barricade, like all the marks, basically. So that that's why I brought it up, because it kind of ties into that. Mm-hmm. But Gunter, I guess, tried to bully the Miz into fighting, and Miz finally ends up exploding. The crowd went nuts. Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't know why... like the. The Miz is really doing a great job as a face right now with this. Yeah, and then the Miz uh, kind of, you know, I guess it's heelish, but he low-blowed Gunter, hit the skull-crushing finale, and he came out on top from that segment. 
You see, I told you, I, I'm a, I like that. I know I'm you're not very a fan much of so it, looking the... forward. I'm looking forward to that uh, that that match at Survivor yeah. Series. I don't no, think I Miz totally, is winning, but I I I think so too. Next up, you had Tegan Knox and Natalia pick up the victory over Maxine Dupree and Ivy and Carter and Chance, and also the way to become the number one contenders. This stemmed um, from a backstage segment earlier on where. Chelsea Green and Piper Niven were talking to Adam Pierce, and they were interrupted by Natalia and Tegan Knox, which I thought was funny because they were like, "You guys, you guys even have haven't even like teamed up yet." And then Katana Chance and Caden Carter interrupted. The way showed up, and what popped me the most was when Maxine and Ivy Nile showed up. They wanted to ask Adam Pierce about something else. Mm-hmm. And Adam Pierce was already seeing the other teams. He goes, fine, you guys are in it too. And put them in a match. And Ivy went to go correct him. And, and Maxine was like, shoosh. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> yeah. I, they had a lot of good parts, you know. I, I liked mean, uh, Natty and, and Tegan Knox had matching gear, it seemed. Yeah, it looked like cool. it. But I'm still not a fan that Natalia and Knox won. I, you know, I thought maybe we would see Maxine and Ivy come out exactly. on top. Exactly. That, that, yes. Like, whoops, we didn't mean to be in this match. But I don't mind seeing Natty and, and Tegan Knox pick up the victory. And I think overall, for Monday Night Raw's sake, it was cool to see three women's matches on Raw. Yeah. And, and it was back to back, too, um, yeah. for the most part at and, times. And also, Maxine was a lot of fun to watch in this match. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I don't want to see Natalia Knox win this, but I'm I mean I'm happy for Knox. Uh, I wanted to see Maxine and Ivy win. She ended up uh, countering a pin to pick up that victory. That was a weird spot when she did the the worm. I don't know what was going on there or the caterpillar. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Tegan was doing. She was like yelling no. So I don't know. That was like the weirdest part of the match for me, but. Yeah, And then all the, the male tag teams on Monday Night Raw were angry. They didn't get a tag team title shot, so Adam Pearce set up a tag team turmoil for them next week. So, I don't know. I forgot what specific tag teams were in there, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. That sounded weird. After that, Shinsuke Nakamura picked up the victory over Chad Gable. Uh, I did not think that Chad Gable was going to win this, given given Nakamura's like obviously the whole story as of late. But this was a dope match. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and Michael Cole was like really pushing Kurt Angle in this, so I thought that was interesting. And it's not like Chad Gable lost cleanly, so. Not that it was dirty, but Nakamura had like that quick pin from the reversal. Mm -hmm. So it's still, I think Chad Gable still comes out on top there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Next up you had the main event of the evening. Drew McIntyre pick up the victory over Jey Uso to gain the advantage in the War Games matchup. Which, for some reason, the men have it this way, but the women, it's a vote? A vote via Ruffles potato chip. How does that make any sense to anybody? I don't know. I guess they, they had to do with sponsorship money. They wanted that and had to and give it to one of them. you couldn't use it on the men's match? Uh, you had to use it on the women's match? Yeah. 
if you're gonna choose one. But I, I, mean, I guess it it makes sense that they wouldn't want to like do a, a women's advantage match there for if they're like if they had to choose between that or this, mm-hmm. they were able to get Drew McIntyre versus Jey Uso off. Mm-hmm. That that's weird. Scratch that. But <laughs> yeah. but I get I get the vote. I no, I don't get the vote, but I get them going <laughs> with the with the men over the women here. Yeah. But no. I feel like uh this match everyone was probably just wanting and waiting for the match to be over so we could find out who Cody Rhodes got for War Games. Mhm. And I feel like the ending of the match kind of came out of nowhere with the Future Shock DDT. But we saw Rhea Ripley come out after that. She started clapping. Drew McIntyre continued to beat down Jey Uso. He did have a comeback and went for that chair, but the rest of Judgment Day pounced on him. And that led to Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, and Seth Rollins all running down with chairs. The Judgment Day split, and Cody hyped up the fifth man with a bunch of references to Randy Orton. And then without actually saying Randy Orton, he confirmed that the fans were right in assuming that it was Randy Orton. And just when you think that Randy Orton would show up and actually be there, he doesn't. Cuts, cuts the black, fades the black, end of show. So yeah, that not a fan of that. That fell f- so flat for me. Yeah, that didn't make any Where sense. Where am I to popping? Me. Where's my pop? There's no pop. He didn't even say Randy Orton's name. Yeah. Like <laughs> all because of CM Punk? I don't know. Yeah, it it just didn't make sense to me why all of this. Um, like, why I would not have, rather... have Randy Orton there? Huh? Why not have Orton there? Yeah, or why not just surprise me at well, the Well, because they did not want that CM Punk thing. Yeah, I, I don't understand the CM Punk thing. Explain. What do you mean? What's CM Punk thing? They There's obviously rumors that CM Punk is showing up in WWE. Yeah. The fans are starting those rumors. So they're in Chicago. They don't want CM Punk chance on their pay-per-view or PLE if CM Punk's that's, not going to be there. Yeah, but that's not going to stop the CM Punk chance. It, it, I mean, now they know that CM Punk is not involved in that match, then yes, it I, would stop the CM Punk chant. I will bet anybody that there will be CM Punk chance during this match. They've been to Chicago where CM Punk chants weren't a thing. Yeah, but it's a different different time now i mean now it's a i don't time know where we've we're potentially cm punk is a free agent and you know hopefully I he think doesn't it's show not up, gonna so. i i don't think it's gonna make any change at all well that's monday night raw moving over to nxt which opened right off the bat no uh entrances for either competitor noam dar picked up the victory over chad gable to retain well, the heritage cup he didn't really pick up the victory. It was really a no contest. Oh, uh, well, he still gains the victory. You know, he still retains. Yeah, he still, it, it was a no contest because the time ran out. No, it's not a no contest. No it was a no contest. walked out. I don't think that was a no contest. It was a, it went to the, it, it went, went to, to a, a draw. draw. It went to a, it was a no contest. Yes, it went, it went to, the to a draw. Yeah, you're right. It was a draw. Not a no you contest, know? a draw. Then it went to it went to a draw. But you know? Noam Dar retained the Heritage Cup. I think rounds one and two were kind of slow for me. Mm-hmm. We saw Mensa kick Chad Gable, which led to the first point in, uh, I guess, for round two. 
Mm-hmm. Round three was basically commercial break. And then round five, we saw Chad Gable hit that rolling senton uh, kick and then a German suplex and tie tie up the, the match. We saw Noam Dar knock Chad Gable down behind the referee's back after that round, which uh, is very heelish and something that Noam Dar would do. Mm-hmm. That was a very fast round, by the way. Yeah. But Chad Gable had Noam Dar in an ankle lock. The time ran out, and then after the time ran out, so we saw close. Noam Dar tap out. So obviously that didn't count. Everyone's like, oh my god, did he Did he get it? Did he not? It's like, hello? Yeah, baby. I mean, he, you even had them almost celebrating. Like the ref is going to be like, yeah, <laughs> the, the bell rang, but let's, let's give him the victory anyway. Yeah, I, I like the <laughs> fact that the referee didn't go with uh, Gable as the winner. Like he, I would have been so pissed off. Like I would have been torn at least, but Mm -hmm. because that would make no sense. But I'm not sure that we've seen a Heritage Cup match end in a tie before. I don't, I can't think if we have. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a cool ending. I still think that Chad Gable, obviously, he was making Noam Dark tap out, so he comes off looking strong. Yeah, I mean, you can easily have an argument for a. Another match, match, you know? Yeah, I don't know if maybe we'll see that at deadline. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Yeah. But there was still like that whole. Um, no, no, that promo was about Chad Gable. So. And then yeah. Lash Legend knocked uh, Maxine afterwards. And Oromensa tried to square up with Otis, but Otis knocked him down. And then Maxine slapped Lash Legend as she fainted into Otis's arms, which I thought was funny. Yeah, it was a nice uh, little corny spot, you know? We saw, very corny, we saw the family go out to celebrate their tag team championship victory at that Italian restaurant they frequent, and everyone there was applauding, everybody in the family, I guess. Then we see Los Lotharios pick up the victory over Idris Sanofi and Malik Blade, which uh, I think they had some cool like reversal spots in this match. Mm-hmm. wasn't really a fan of that tag team finisher. I know some people were putting it over on Twitter, but it was just like a pop-up from Umberto and a kick from Garza. So, like, I, I feel like they could have done more with that ending. It didn't It didn't bother me. It definitely wasn't screaming no, something it, for like me, Lucha it's Libre. Like, yeah, for me, though, it's a move that, that's not finisher-worthy. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't need the move to be a Lucha move or anything like that. Uh-huh. I just wanted like a, an actual move. Yeah. So, and then later on, we we got more of those segments with the family, and Los Lotharios ended up showing up and jumping the family when they left. So, uh, Tony D'Angelo granted them a tag title shot at, I believe, Deadline. I guess he wants to go to war. Yeah, so we'll have to see how that goes, you know? Yeah. it's going to be good. After that, Josh Briggs picked up the victory over Carmelo Hayes to advance to the Iron Survivor Challenge. This was one of the two matches that John Bradshaw Layfield picked. I don't know why I said his full name. JBL picked this match. (laughs) Uh, It was nice to see some big guy stuff from Josh Briggs in this. Yeah, I mean, I was totally... I didn't know he... I, I was very surprised by the... By the moonsault that he did. I think we've seen him do that before. That's the thing. I couldn't remember off the top of my head. 
but I definitely thought that that moonsault was really cool. And it's so crazy because it's so weird seeing him without that long ha hair that he had on the independent scene. Yeah. But this matchup was really solid. Unexpected, too, from Carmelo Hayes because we've seen, like, given his position lately, pretty much, like, near unbeatable. Yeah. I was not expecting Josh Briggs to get that victory. Yeah. But it was Lexus King who got involved and that distracted Carmelo Hayes. And that led to Josh Briggs. Uh, was it a big boot? I don't remember. Right before that moonsault. And then he picked up that moonsault. I think I think it was a boot. And then Tiffany Stratton spoke to Josh Briggs afterwards. And she ends up walking away. Fallon Henley was uh, questioning it. I don't know if that's going to lead to anything. But obviously we know there's heat between Fallon Henley and Tiffany Stratton. Yeah. So... I mean, we'll have to see what happens with that one. After that, there was another dinner segment <laughs> on NXT with Von Wagner and Robert Stone, where Robert Stone's whole family ate dinner with Von Wagner. And Von Wagner, he was like, I brought brownies. They were those disgusting little Debbie cosmic brownies, which I know people are like, probably like, how dare you say that? Mm -hmm. Those brownies are trash. I don't know, uh, I guess this segment was just to like show like the character side of Von Wagner and be like, now he's a gentle giant perhaps or something, or it's okay to have the scars that you have as long as you something, fill in the rest. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I think Robert Stone's kids were fantastic in this, and I think they should be actors. Yeah, I, I think don't know. that would be awesome. I don't know how they were like directed to do that but it reminded me they're i i believe they're uh probably much older when uh, was it monroe was doing stuff for the miz on that episode i think of raw where she needed to be like scared and stuff and it's like how yes is she yeah, doing yeah, this? yeah 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 uh, that's kind of reminded me of that because i think they look like they came off looking like seasoned actors to yeah me. <laughs> that was i remember that yep uh, after that, we saw Wesley come out, basically just say that he wants the North American Championship. He wants the match at deadline. Dominic came out and ran down the last few months for Wesley, as in, like, you lost, you left. I'm better than you, basically, and I made this championship more relevant than you ever did. And then Dominic said, I'll give you your match, but... You'll have to face three former North American champions next week and pick up the victory. And if you don't win, it'll be the last title shot you get. So the match next week, we're going to see Wesley, former North American champion Wesley, taking on former North American champion Cameron Grimes, taking on former North American champion Bronson Reed, taking on former North American champion Johnny Gargano. Which is, I think, nuts, I guess, kind of. I think that's I mean, pretty crazy that we're going to see. I mean, Cameron Grimes less so, but Bronson Reed and Johnny Gargano back. I think that's uh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, but we're not going to get to see uh, Tyler Bateman. Wasn't he a North American champ? Tyler Bateman? Yeah, I forgot his name. Tyler Bateman has not even been in WWE. Yeah, I know, I know. But he was a former um, North American champ, right? What do you mean? He's not been in WWE ever. Oh, not Tyler Bateman. Who am I thinking of? Um, oh, no. Who was in the group with, uh, I mean, Tyler Bateman 
Now I'm, now it's coming to me. He should definitely be in the WWE. Who was the wrestler that was North American champion? Um, one of the first. Adam Cole? <laughs> no, not Adam Cole. Ricochet? Not Ricochet. Roddy? Keith Lee? No, no. Dion, uh, Dion. Damian Priest? Maybe he didn't win it. Maybe he was just in the match. Leon Ruff? <laughs> no, who was in the who was in Ring of Honor? Whose house? Uh, Swerve house? <laughs> who was with Braun Strowman in the in the Ring of Honor click? The Ring of Honor group. Oh, EC three? EC three, that's what it was. <laughs> wow, we went full I think we named everybody. I don't think EC three was North American champion. Maybe he was just in the North American match. That's why he's like standing out to me. Yeah. I, w- I would love to see him back in there. Well, he's but, currently the NWA champion, I believe. Yeah, but what are they doing? They're just going to lose contracts. Well, I don't know. They they somehow ended up on the CW app. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I don't know what that does, yeah. Huh. It's weird, because I feel like I have memories of EC3 being the North American champion, too. Yeah, right? But he was definitely, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. So that'll take place next week. We had the whole Chase U scandal. We still don't know what the scandal is. It had Thea Hale worried. JC gave her a pep talk before the match. JBL picked out this match for the Iron Survivor Challenge. Unfortunately for Chase U, though, Blair Davenport picked up that victory over Thea Hale. And I definitely would have liked for Thea Hale to pick up that victory instead. The end of this match was kind of weird because she like got distracted by the Chase U section where I th- I could swear they were cheering, but they were just not like on their feet like they'd normally be. And we did see Chase U, the I mean, Chase U section, like walk out they, last week. Yeah, and this week they were like just no-selling. But they were cheering though, it looked like. No, they I to me, they weren't cheering at all. They were totally no-selling and not I don't giving know. her attention and... It, it, and it makes no sense. Like, why I, Why we do know we yet. not know what the scandal is? How would they know what the scandal is? I mean, it has to be something internal. And it has to be maybe she aligned herself with... Um, JC? JC, yeah. With JC. And maybe JC did something to chase you where they have, like, a video evidence of JC doing this. Yeah, but it would still make no sense that... No, but it's Andre Chase who's getting all the brunt of the hate. They so must I, don't, done... I don't know what, like... You're going to have to tell maybe... me what, what's going on with this scandal. You can't... If you go next week and there's no, like, oh, this is what the scandal is, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, JC, maybe she is framing them for something to get Chase you to turn on them. You know, I mean, me I and you know. said it from I, the I start. We don't trust... That. But, I mean, from the start, me and you don't trust JC. Right. So, I feel like I feel like there's something that's going to play up in that. But I, don't, I definitely agree with you that we need that explanation, like, ASAP. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just going to be dragging this along and we're going to lose interest. Yeah. Or or they're just not going to give us a finale of it. And, and they're, and they're the doing it like a TV program, though, where it's like, this week, I'll chase you scandal. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how it opened last week, basically. And then it opened... Even, all the commercials, even the commercials ran on, on WWE Raw. I don't know why I said WWE Raw, but on Raw. Yeah. It was like Lyra Valkyria taking on Zia Lee. 
and we find out what happened to the scandal. Blah, 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 chase you. Yeah. And it's like, it's got to be something big enough to, like, you're showing this on USA Network to hype up the show during Monday Night Raw. It better live up to that potential. Yeah, I agree with you. Or hype or whatever. Yeah. After that, we saw Eddie Thorpe pick up the victory over Charlie Dempsey. I thought it was a decent match, but the end kind of came out of nowhere for me. So, I could have also probably done without this match. Mm-hmm. We did, We saw Charlie Dempsey, Drew Gulak, and Miles Bourne attack Eddie Thorpe afterwards. And I thought we'd see somebody make the save, but... I couldn't even think as to who would make the save and nobody ended up making the save. So yeah, I mean, it's what's going to happen with Eddie Thorpe now are, is somebody going to end up coming in the next week and pairing up with him in this, or is he just going to have to do lone wolf style? Cause right now it's, it's one on three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, earlier in the night, though, we were supposed to see Zia Lee take on Lyra Valkyria for that NXT championship, but Zia Lee attacked Lyra during her entrance, and the whole episode was like, will she be able to compete? Is she medically cleared? You fast forward enough through the NXT episode, you're seeing there's enough time for a match. Lyra Valkyria goes out there, defends the championship successfully, picks up the victory over uh, Zia Lee, as we already said earlier. Yeah. Lyra starts off hot. Zia Lee eventually took over. I like the uh, the counter from Lyra's kick that Zia was able to like get her into. Uh, it was like a ground submission from the the counter of a kick. I, I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. I uh, I mean we already spoke about it before. I just I don't get why this took place the same week as Becky Lynch and Zia Lee. So yeah, I agree. And this was a, apparently this was a taped episode. Not necessary. Yeah. So, but that's NXT moving over to SmackDown. It opened up with Team Becky, even though I believe they're called Team Bianca. They all came out to Becky Lynch's theme song, but they all spoke about damage control and how damage control messed with them too long. And too many times. Bailey came out by herself and spoke about Becky Lynch and Charlotte teaming up. Kind of trying to plant seeds of doubt with them. And uh, that was a a pretty big theme throughout the the night. But Team Becky, Bianca, whatever, questioned where the rest of Damage Control was. It led to a match challenge for the main event. Which... Bailey accepted and damage control didn't seem happy about that. And on behalf of Dakota Kai, EO Sky had said that she thinks that it should be Bailey in the match and she should be teaming with Asuka. After Bailey was like, oh, maybe we could see the Kabuki Warriors. Maybe we could see this. Maybe we could see that. I would have been happy with anything. But uh, so it was going to be. Uh, Bailey and Asuka as the team. And then Charlotte apparently spoke to Nick Aldis, who spoke to Adam Pearce, and they okayed Becky Lynch competing on SmackDown. And Becky Lynch was annoyed with that, with Charlotte specifically, for not asking her. So there was tension there, and it makes sense, because why would they just like automatically, like, oh, we're over it sort of situation. So Bianca spoke to Becky. We saw Shotzi 
pretty, uh, I don't know how to say this. She was like the, the most reasonable person talking to Charlotte about everything. So I thought that was, that was nice. But I'll speak about the main event in a moment. First match on SmackDown saw the Judgment Day pick up the victory over the Street Profits to retain the Tag Team Championships. We saw Bobby Lashley and B-Fab backstage, which I I kind of feel like they have nothing for this group. We just keep seeing the same exact thing whenever they're on television. But I'm glad that we at least got this match because it feels like every time we're getting a tag title match lately, it's Monday Night Raw getting the title shots. And those titles are not exclusive to Monday Night Raw. But Rhea Ripley got involved, Damian Priest hit a modified tombstone, and Finn Balor hit the coup de grace to pick up the victory, which led to Bobby Lashley being pissed off. We saw the Grayson Waller effect where Kevin Owens was supposed to be the guest. However, it was Austin Theory who showed up dressed as Kevin Owens. And as soon as he sat down, Kevin Owens showed up, and then Grayson Waller threatened to beat Kevin Owens up for costing him his match. They did the whole like mentioning of a name thing three times and uh, LA Knight came out. I thought that was a funny segment and it really ultimately led to a brawl. It led to a match where Kevin Owens and LA Knight picked up the victory over A-Town down under. Uh, I like this match uh, more than the other tag team match that, that was on before this, but I liked the the cheating that Grayson Waller and Austin Theory were doing. And I thought they had good tagging in and out between the two. The ending was a bit clunky with who should and who shouldn't be inside the ring. But at least the the people who were illegal were with each other and not with the other partners. So I was happy with that at least. After that, Carlito came out and he spoke about Santos Escobar. Basically just said he made a big mistake. Escobar came out, questioned Carlito, even mentioned Carlito not even... You're not wearing LWO colors. You don't have the tattoo like all of us have. And it's because of you that Rey Mysterio is injured. So Carlito goes after him. It led to a brawl. It was separated. And Escobar came back from behind and and hit Carlito with that big knee. And he continued the attack backstage. Dragon Lee showed up to make the save. And it led to Nick Aldis wanting to postpone the match because Carlito's injured. But Dragon Lee stepped up. I'll, he was like, I'll do it. I'll do the match. So Nick Aldis changed the match at Survivor Series to Dragon Lee versus, uh, versus Santos Escobar. Completely ignore us saying Carlito in the next segment because that was pre-recorded. Whenever you hear us say Carlito, just think of Dragon Lee. After that, Pretty Deadly picked up the victory over the Brawling Brutes. Ridge Holland ended up leaving Butch by himself. We saw some breakdown last week and Butch kept going. Uh, He was able to control the majority of it, but it was a blind tag spot that did him in. And I was kind of torn with who I wanted to see win after Ridge Holland left because I thought it would have been pretty cool to see Butch like go in there as a beast and still pick up that victory. But I also, on the other hand, thought that Pretty Deadly did need to pick up that victory as well. So um, uh, I'm happy with that outcome. I just, I really didn't want to see the end of the Brawling Brutes. I don't know. I guess Sheamus is still injured. So that's unfortunate. Um, Yeah, I don't, I really don't want to see the end of the Brawling Brutes. 
Main event, all matches were tag matches. We saw Damage Control, Bailey and Asuka pick up the victory over the Horsewomen, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. They did, I think, work well together to a certain point. But I think the match itself is much bigger than an episode of SmackDown. I don't know if that makes sense to you listening, but... I mean, you have three of the four horsewomen and Asuka, so... I think that's a a very big main event match. I liked the blind tag spot from Asuka where Charlotte went to go lock in the figure eight on on Bailey, And Asuka hit her with the code breaker. The end of the match, though, we saw Becky Lynch hit Bailey with the manhandle slam. She got the pin. It looked like that was going to be it. But Charlotte speared Asuka onto that pin. And Becky Lynch was annoyed with that. So... They were kind of face-to-face. Bailey took advantage of that, picked up the victory, and then Becky Lynch ended up leaving Charlotte, Bianca Belair, and Shotzi in the in the ring by themselves. Or not by themselves, with each other. <laughs> she left by herself. But that was SmackDown. Going to go over to Survivor Series War Games taking place at the Allstate Arena in Illinois. During a tradition, uh, November tradition weekend. Uh, first match. Also, I was uh, mistaken last week. Uh, I, I had said Carlito versus Santos Escobar was going to be on the, the kickoff show. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's actually on Survivor Series. So we'll start with that. Uh, and I I need Santos Escobar to pick up that victory. Um. Yeah, I think Santos Escobar has to. Um, you know what? Yeah, I think San. Oh, he has to. Yeah, I guess Santos Escobar has to pick up the victory, and then I would say maybe even further beats down Carlito a little bit further after the match until there's a save. But he as exits the ring before the save actually. Uh, yeah, happens. You know, something like that. For the Intercontinental Championship, Guter taking on the Miz. Uh, Gunter. I'm going to agree with you. I think Gunter is going to be walking away with that victory. You know? Women's Championship on the line. Rhea Ripley defending the title against Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark, by the way, had a segment on Monday Night Raw where she and Shayna Baszler ended up in the Judgment Day's locker room. And Rhea was like, what are you doing here? So I like that we're still getting that pairing of Shayna Baszler and, and Zoe Stark. But I just, this is to me exactly like Rhea Ripley versus Zelina Vega, where mm-hmm. you know the match can be entertaining, but there's no chance in hell that I think Rhea Ripley's losing the championship. No, Rhea Ripley is definitely going to be walking away with that victory. Yeah. No way. We have a women's war games match taking place. Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Shotzi Blackheart, and Becky Lynch taking on damage control. Obviously, uh, Dakota Kai is not involved. It's Bailey, Asuka, Io Sky, and Kyrie Sane. I am like beyond pumped for this match. I think that this is going to be an incredible, incredible matchup. We don't know who's going to have the advantage for this. I prefer I mean, by the, the time heels. we get to SmackDown, I might have already known, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I, I prefer heels having the advantage. I always feel like it's weird to have two faces against one heel. 
I think to... I think you're you're very accurate with that, but I feel like I need uh I feel like damage control will get the upper hand advantage, but I think because it's a fan vote, it would make more sense if the faces did. Yeah, that's so true. So I think they'll get the advantage, but I need damage control to get that victory. I agree with you. I mean, you have the f- mostly future, I mean, shots besides Shotzi. I, I, I don't know. I'm so sick and tired. I mean, you kind of say future because Belair. I'm just sick of Charlotte. I just blame Charlotte. I'm going full-blown damage Wait, control. Wait, what do you mean the future? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying, not the future. Because Belair and Shotzi are... I don't know what that means. That's like mid-sentence. Well, I was going to say that damage control has more future stars to be made that aren't already made, but that's not true. So that's why I stopped with that. Um, but I don't know. I don't want to see Charlotte Flair pick up the victory. No, not at all. You know, but... Next up, let's head on over to the men's war games matchup. You got Cody Rhodes, Seth freaking Rollins, Jay Uso, and Sami Zayn with Randy Orton going on against the Judgment Day. That's Priest, Ballard, Mysterio, and McDonough with Drew McIntyre. The theory is online. Someone's going to take Randy Orton out backstage, and it's going to be CM Punk to replace him. Oh, no way. Like, that would Randy so Orton sick. as a fall guy for CM Punk? Get the heck out of here. Yeah. But I, and again, this is like, I don't see the Judgment Day winning, but I would really like the Judgment Day to win this. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm going to say, obviously, Cody, Seth, yeah, Jay, I'll go, Sammy, and Randy. I'm going to go Cody in them, but even storyline-wise and wrestling booking-wise, I would 100% have Judgment Day win. Also, I would have marked out so much harder if it was Hardcore Holly or <laughs> or Damian Sandow as the the friend from Cody. No offense to Randy it's, Orton, but it's like... Yeah. Do you think... <laughs> so, Judgment Day, do you think that there's going to be any um, between team members fighting or disagreements during this matchup? I I don't know. I think the 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 men's team have more of that than they would. I mean, let's not also forget. Now we also have Randy Orton and Jey Uso, right? And of course, Randy Orton has history with Jey Uso. I believe Randy's last match that he was in before he got injured was with the Usos, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly, Jey Uso. So it's basically Jey Uso versus everybody in this. I mean, let's not also forget Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. Yeah, but Cody's obviously forgiven Jey. Seth Rollins, I guess he's putting it on hold, but you hold it there. It's that same thing with Drew McIntyre. It warranted it. Yeah. But you never know. We could have a spot where maybe Seth unintentionally hits Cody and something happens where Seth pedigrees Cody, takes him out of the match. Something. Something could like like that could happen. Yeah. But definitely going to agree with you, Cody, but I would like to see Judgment Day win. So that's Survivor Series. Going to take a quick little break right now, and I'll be right back here on Marking Out. Hi, this is Dennis Haskins, Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell, and you're listening to Marking Out. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to episode 668. Moving over to AEW Collision from last week. 
went uh, head-to-head with SmackDown. It opened up with Christian basically just hyping up them winning at the pay-per-view. And then later on, uh, Trent Beretta defeated Brian Cage, Commander, and Penta to become number one contender, which I thought was a good fatal four-way. Don't really understand why it was happening because, like, why not have it the week after? Christian's part of what I think is like the second or third biggest story in AEW. So for him to have this random match against Trent on Rampage later on, even, I mean, Christian picked up the victory to retain, but obviously Trent wasn't winning. I just, I didn't understand it. It could have happened uh, the week after, Uh, but Trent did have a lot of praise for his work on Friday night in the two matches. So I think that's pretty cool. After that, on Collision, uh, Miro picked up the victory over Daniel Garcia. Very happy that that Miro won. This was because of what Daniel Garcia did with Lana the other week. And then we saw Andrade and Lana interviewed backstage. He's happy with the representation, but meanwhile, he wasn't even on pay-per-view, so I think that's goofy. She did announce that he's going to be in the, the Continental Classic, though. We saw the House of Black pick up the victory over the boys. Uh, literally no point to this match at all. Uh, Wardlow picked up the victory over Evan Daniels. Another squash match. It seems like Collision always has two squash matches that I don't think are necessary. I don't think this does anything to make anybody be like, oh, I need to see Wardlow versus MJF. They they like reset Wardlow to where he's doing the same exact thing he was when... He was being built up. I don't think that's needed. After that, Dax Harwood, not Hardwood, as uh, the AEW graphics team put out, uh, versus Roosh went to a no contest. I thought this was a very enjoyable match. The only thing that took away was the, the, the ending. That big brawl ending, I feel like, that AEW loves to do could have like happened afterwards. I, I just wish they would stop doing the big brawl endings. It's almost every week now, it seems. Even though it's not. That's how I feel about Texas death matches in AEW. It seems like it's once a month or something. But Starks and Big Bill got involved. LFI ran down House of Black. I think Roosh could have won this match and and gone into the, the pay-per-view with a victory. And then you have the big brawl. After that, Buddy Matthews picked up the victory over Wheeler Yuta. I was very surprised that Buddy won. But I'm obviously happy that he did. I think this was the best match from AEW on Friday. And then uh, we saw Buddy Matthews beat down or try to beat down Wheeler Yuta afterwards with a chair. But Claudio made the save and laid out a challenge for full gear. After that, Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander... Main evented against the Outcasts, picked up the victory over the Outcasts, and I didn't understand this. Rather than the main focus of this match being the two champions, being like dominant champions, it was Ruby Soho and Angelo Parker and their relationship. The champions weren't even facing anyone that they're in a storyline with. So it's like, why is this match happening? Why are they randomly teaming up to to do anything? They're not facing anybody in their storylines. You could have had they 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 could have faced each other's opponents on both episodes of Collision and, and Rampage. 
That'd be a novel idea. Obviously, the the TBS title was in a triple threat match. Could have picked one person from that. But MJF closed the, the episode of Collision, basically just saying Jay White's going to lose. On Rampage, Tony Storm picked up the victory over Emi Sakura. Tony Storm wanted a tune-up match, so obviously she was winning before the pay-per-view. But the chops that Emi Sakura did left Tony Storm's chest beat red for the pay-per-view the next night even. I thought that was crazy, and I, I would really like to see more of Emi Sakura. I, I'm a big fan of hers. After that, Roderick Strong picked up the victory over Action and Dreddy. The setup on this uh, for this match on Collision I thought was funny, but the match I thought was okay. The big thing from this was that Roderick Strong got really lucky here, and that one spot went all over Twitter of him almost breaking his neck, and he continued, so it seemed to be fine in the moment, so... That's really ultimately what matters there. And then to close off Rampage, Jay White basically just said he's going to win. And then MJF attacked Jay White. Juice Robinson jumped in. MJF, we didn't, I don't think we saw the actual hit. But he hit Juice Robinson with a TV. That takes him off television. He's apparently gotten back, back surgery or something, which is unfortunate. So... Uh, speedy recovery to Juice Robinson, but they continued the brawl, and that's, we just had that on Collision, but here we have another brawl, the guns jumped in, Samoa Joe made the save, and MJF finally accepted his help for the pay-per-view, moving over to full gear, I did not see most of this, Eddie Kingston on the buy-in, or zero hour, picked up the victory over Jay Lethal to retain, Claudio Picked up the victory over Buddy Matthews. MJF and Samoa Joe defended the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships successfully and picked up the victory over the Guns. But the Guns beat MJF down afterwards with chairs. The first match of Full Gear saw Edge, Darby Allin, and Sting pick up the victory over Christian. Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne, I think Edge had cool gear. He had his uh, one side of his face painted. To team with Sting and Darby. I thought that was pretty cool. Orange Cassidy picked up the victory over John Moxley to retain. Tony Storm picked up the victory over Hikaru Shida to become the new women's champion. Which I, I really just think that absolutely sucks for Hikaru Shida. Because there's no way that she should have been put in a position to lose that title. Especially not at her first pay-per-view defense. For this reign. I hate that a lot of these titles in AEW come across as hot potato. And this one has become one of them. I think since May, it's changed hands five times. Two times with Tony, two times with Hikaru Shida. And then the other time was a random, because they were in Wembley, let's give the title to Soraya. That title reign went absolutely nowhere. So, the way Hikaru Shida keeps being this transitional champion, I think is dumb. And at this point, she's really done everything in AEW that she would need to do. And I would really like to see her go elsewhere, specifically NXT. I know that that probably won't happen, but it would be nice to see that. After that, Big Bill and Ricky Starks picked up the victory over FTR, House of Black, and LFI in a ladder match to retain the Tag Team Championships. I was hoping that House of Black would win. But I liked at the media scrum after the event 
how Ricky Starks said that him and Big Bill don't need to be a real tag team. They don't need a real name or a tag name. They don't need a tag finisher. They're two singles wrestlers who came together to win gold. And I do feel like he thinks he's the only one doing that right now, but MJF is literally in that exact same storyline. But I did like that Starks was hyping them up as two singles competitors. So, And apparently this match was nuts. I've seen clips of it. Crazy spots. Uh, I just wish House of Black won, like I said. And then up next, Julia Hart picked up the victory over Chris Statlander and Sky Blue to become the new TBS champion. I really do wish that Chris Statlander's reign was a bit longer. But I'm happy with the reign that she got. And I'm very happy that Julia Hart is the, the new champion. The youngest champion in AEW history. But like I just said, I wish House of Black were all champions together. I think that would have been really cool. After that, there was that big mystery signing, which turned out to be Will Ospreay. People, I think, were so hyped up over this and had like the craziest names who they thought the signing would be. But all signs really ultimately pointed to Will Ospreay. And I, it's not... I don't think it's as huge of a signing as they make it out to be because, yes, he's great in the ring, but I don't think he's going to have anyone just, like, tune in and be like, oh, let me see Will Ospreay. He's not been on a lot of American television. And we've seen him heavily associated with AEW already. He was just on AEW last month. So it's not like a huge surprise or anything. When I say it's not a big deal, I don't mean like a huge deal or whatever. It's not a surprise. It makes sense. And it seems like the only reason why he didn't sign with WWE was because AEW is apparently allowing him to still live in the UK. So he doesn't have to move his family away from their lives. And I don't know how much that commute's going to suck. I don't know how... That has to be expensive. I can't imagine doing that. Commuting from whatever state to the UK every week. I think that's crazy, but Will Ospreay's in AEW. Hopefully he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. I don't know where he goes from here though. I don't want to see him like get thrown into a storyline. Oh, I'm chasing MJF, bro. I don't want to see that. There's so many people chasing MJF right now. So what happens with Will We'll see. He was not on this week. So he has a New Japan contract, I think. What do they say? Until January or February? So maybe sometime after, maybe Battle in the Valley. I don't know if he'll participate at that. But uh, I think that's a January show. uh, If they do it again. After that, though, Swerve defeated Hangman in a Texas death match. And based on the clips... This was both insane, incredible, and absolutely disgusting. (laughs) But people seem to think that it solidifies Swerve as being like the top guy or a top guy. And I think that's a very good thing for Swerve. Because, I mean, we've, we've all seen his potential dating back years at this point. So... I could have done without... I still see the clips popping up all over Twitter. I could do without seeing him uh, hangman drinking Swerve's blood. I think that's absolutely disgusting. But 
kudos to both of them. Uh, I would say that's the most talked about match of the night. After that, the Golden Jets picked up the victory over the Young Bucks to become the new number one contenders. Twitter seemed to be very bored with this match with the Golden Jets and with the Young Bucks. Which was very surprising, but there was a moment where Kenny Omega teased doing the the V-trigger to Chris Jericho only to hit one of the Young Bucks to show his allegiance to Chris Jericho. And I feel like they kind of have to become champions. They kind of have to make the Young Bucks like unravel and, and just completely lose their minds over that. I think they, they trashed the ringside area after the match. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm almost certain the Young Bucks threw a fit. And then it was announced that they're effectively, immediately or whatever, they're not doing their YouTube show anymore. So, And they filed some trademarks for some new team names. I don't know what that's going to turn into. It sounds goofy. Uh, but it was announced earlier on the pay-per-view that MJF was too injured to compete and therefore Jay White would, uh, the, the match would be forfeited. The championship would be awarded to Jay White. And then Adam Cole came out and said that he's not going to let that happen and he'll be the one to defend it. So MJF, who had one leg and could not wrestle because he had one leg, couldn't compete. But Adam Cole, who is not medically cleared and has only one leg, can compete which is quite possibly the dumbest thing possible that happened on that pay-per-view. And based on what I saw on Twitter, fans were not happy with that announcement at all. Because it makes zero sense. But MJF showed up last minute in the ambulance. He did the match. He picked up the victory over Jay White to retain. The guns got involved a bunch of times. Jay White cheated a bunch of times and still, even when MJF was broken and beaten down, Jay White couldn't do it. And to me, that makes Jay White look like an absolute joke. He lost all his credibility as a top guy for me. And I feel like at this point, maybe it would have been better for Jay White if he went to NXT. I think we could have very much so seen... uh, Jay White potentially as an NXT champion. So where does Jay White go from here? I don't want him to win that Continental Classic. That that makes absolutely no sense if he were to do that. But just as you thought there was going to be follow-up with the devil to close the pay-per-view, it just ends. So unfortunately, the devil thing continues. And it continued into Dynamite, which I'll talk about, but they announced... The members of the Continental Classic Tournament, it was Brian Danielson, Andrade, Brody King, Claudio, Daniel Garcia, and Eddie Kingston. They're in the blue group. Jay White, Mark Briscoe, John Moxley, Roosh, Jay Lethal, and Swerver in the gold group. Seven of them lost their last matches. So I don't understand how most of the people in this tournament are, are anywhere close to being contenders for this match. Tournament. But, uh, and also how Takeshita and Malachi Black were left out, that's absolutely beyond me. That makes no sense why they, those two specifically, it makes no sense why they were left out. I think it would have been cool if someone like Chris Statlander ended up in this tournament. But maybe if they do it again next year, we'll see something like that. First match of the tournament saw Swerve pick up the victory over Jay Lethal to gain points. 
And I think Jay Lethal has done so little that this match should have been over way quicker than it was. Even though Swerve was banged up from full gear, I think he should have ran right through Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal has one victory in six months. Swerve was in this incredible battle. I think he could have been like, boom, madman mode activated and like absolutely ran right through Jay, Jay uh, Lethal. After that, Better Than You Bay Bay came out. MJF claimed that he's the best champion in AEW history. Adam Cole said that he's not even close to being back in the ring yet. MJF also said that he wants to find the person who's using his mask. And when he does, he'll send that person straight to hell. The devil interrupted by laughing. And a lot of people think it's a woman. I think it could be Jungle Jack. I don't think I would mind if it was Jack Perry, but it's not like it would surprise me. It wouldn't like excite me. But it cut back to the ring and people were like super confused because it cut right to Samoa Joe coming out. Which is, I think, one of those things that AEW does where they have too many storylines going on at one time. But Samoa Joe said he wants MJF to honor his deal. And MJF is like, nope. Obviously his version was censored. But he went to attack MJF and Adam Cole begged him to stop and said, let me talk to MJF. And he talked MJF into giving him that title shot and MJF was like well we should do it right now and Samoa Joe turned him down because he wants MJF at 100% he wants to like when MJF loses that championship he wants zero excuses and he wants it at world's end MJF accepted so at Nassau Coliseum you're going to be seeing Samoa Joe versus MJF it's a match I think we've already seen on television so maybe there's going to be some sort of stipulation added I don't know But later on, Adam Cole was interviewed and Roderick Strong interrupted him with the kingdom. And Adam Cole yelled at Roderick Strong and he said they're not best friends anymore. And he should leave him alone. And that had me me feeling sad for Roderick Strong. So maybe Adam Cole is the heel there. I don't know. Earlier, though, we saw Orange Cassidy, Hook, and Shibata get interviewed, which was interrupted by Wheeler Yuta. Basically just saying he's taken the the title from Shibata. But we saw Orange Cassidy, Hook, and Shibata pick up the victory over the not-JAS. We saw before the match, Danhausen finally returned. And I could have 100% done without this match. I could have done, if you were going to do this match, have Danhausen actually wrestle. But I think the best part of this match were Shibata's like the chops and punch combo that he was doing. Because those look like that actually hurt. Uh, sometimes, I said this, I think, last week or so. Sometimes they do those chop chop spots and they don't look good. Those look like they really hurt. So, Danhausen in this uh, is not in the match, but he gets involved and cheats right in front of the referee's eyes. The referee does absolutely nothing. I don't know why baby faces are cheating. I know it's like the haha funny spot where he's like cursing... Hager, but it's goofy. The referee's just watching it all happen. After that, the patriarchy came out and Christian claimed that they didn't lose their match at full gear. I didn't lose my match. Nick Wayne didn't lose the match. And then he puts all the blame on Luchasaurus. And he made Luchasaurus take a knee and, and, I, and I swear to God, he was talking about a new Luchasaurus or whatever. I thought he was going to unmask him right then and there. 
but he changed Luchasaurus' name because Luchasaurus is now forever associated with being a loser in his book. He changed his name to Killswitch. A lot easier to say. A lot easier to type. (laughs) But then he puts Nick Wayne over. Nick's mom randomly came out. Why is she there? Does she go to every AEW show? That made no sense to me. But Christian was Christian to her. Killswitch got in Christian's face for doing what he was doing to Nick Wayne's mom. And he tried to get him back on his knee. He slapped Killswitch. And then he pushed Killswitch into Nick Wayne's mom. And he made Nick go out, get chairs for a concerto. And then he made Killswitch go to do it. And Killswitch, obviously, he's super torn there. And just as he goes to do it, Edge makes the save. Killswitch ends up pulling Christian out of the ring before anything could happen. Nick Wayne already ate a spear. Edge hits Nick Wayne with another spear. And then even though Nick Wayne's mom begged Edge not to do it, Edge hit Nick Wayne with a concerto. So, what happens with that? I have no idea. That was a good segment, though. After that, we saw Jay White pick up the victory over Roosh to gain points in the Continental Classic. Jay White lost to someone who had already wrestled, had a bum knee, and had multiple outside interactions with the guns. Like I said before, he lost all credibility for me. This match should have been Roosh either winning or it should have ended in a draw. Also, Jay is banned from New Japan, so how is he even allowed in this tournament? He's banned from Japan. He's banned from New Japan. Let's be like, oh, here's a possibility where he could win a title that he can't even defend in the company. That makes zero sense. At all. But even more, even even less sense is he cheated to win. Tony Khan was like, these are going to be straight wrestling matches. And it, he basically alluded to no outside interference. And it seemed like there was got, not going to be any sort of cheap winning tactics like that. So right off the bat, second match of the Continental Classic. Why are we tuning in? Why are we going to quote unquote put our money where our mouths are? Where you're going to have goofy, goofy endings like that. It's supposed to be a straight up wrestling tournament. After that, Tony Storm had her acceptance speech, which was done like an award ceremony where RJ and uh, Renee introduced her. Like, and the winner is Tony Storm. And Tony Storm had like that big, like, oh my gosh, oh, she goes up to the stage to accept her award. Mariah May gave her the title. I thought this was kind of cringe. I did not like this segment. After that, Sky Blue picked up the victory over Anna Jay and Ruby Soho. The main focus storyline here was not Sky Blue doing anything. It was not Anna Jay doing anything. It was Ruby Soho and Angelo Parker. And whether or not Anna Jay will have Parker on her side or will Ruby Soho have her on her side? And meanwhile, Matt Menard and Soraya, they're arguing... Sky Blue ends up winning while they were arguing with Ruby Soho outside the ring. So even though Sky Blue got that victory, she's not the main focus of this match. She's not even the main focus of the victory. 
That's dumb. That's unfortunate. Especially after not winning the championship at full gear. Yes, it's a win, but it wasn't even focused on her. Main event saw John Moxley pick up the victory over Mark Briscoe to gain points in the Continental Classic. You could have had Mark Briscoe win this one. You could always have John Moxley gain points later on. This one, every single match, the three matches that they aired on the Continental Classic were beyond predictable. You have so much room now to do math and and get people points, subtract points or whatever. You could have had surprising outcomes and you didn't. I don't understand why. So... I, I really would have liked to have seen Mark Briscoe win this. I thought it was a good main, a good main event. But that's Dynamite. Hey, Brandon. Got any shoutouts? Hey there, Hiff. We should listen to Brandon's shoutouts. Quiz Lady gets the first shoutout. It's been on Hulu for a bit now, but I just watched it the other week. And I enjoyed it. Aquafina and Sandra O oh star in it as sisters. And uh, Aquafina's character is obsessed with TV quiz shows or like a specific TV quiz show. And she ends up getting to be on it. Jason Schwartzman, Holland Taylor, Tony Hale, and uh, Will Ferrell are also in it. So I would, uh, I would recommend this film. I enjoyed it. Uh, after that, my next shout out is going to Please Don't Destroy the Treasure of Foggy Mountain. Have you heard about this at all or no? No. It's on Peacock. It's from the Please Don't Destroy guys from SNL. It's Ben Marshall, Martin Hurley, which is the son of Tim Hurley, who wrote for SNL, and he's a longtime collaborator with Adam Sandler. And also John Higgins, who's the son of Steve Higgins, who you would probably best know as the announcer from The Tonight Show. Uh, with Jimmy Fallon, but he's also been a longtime producer and writer for SNL as well. So it's three friends going on a trip to find treasure. Conan O'Brien's in it. Bowen Yang is in it. John Goodman's the narrator. That's cool. And uh, if you watch Saturday Night Live and you've seen the stuff that the the Please Don't Destroy videos, then I th- and if you enjoy those, then I think you would enjoy the movie as well. So... Check it out on it's on Peacock if you're. It sounds. Uh, it all sounds familiar. Um, please don't destroy or the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please don't destroy. <laughs> yeah, well, they've done. They do all those bits that I think they're the biggest. Probably the biggest one was the the one with Taylor Swift and Pete Davidson a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But they do all those like those backstage. They're in like the office. Oh yes, yes, yes. That's why. Yes, yes. I yeah. I know them. Yeah, yeah. they're very funny. Yeah. So, so check some it out. of their it's on stuff Peacock. is funny. Some of the. I'm like, eh. But yeah. for the most part, I do like their stuff. They're, so who are they? They're just writers of SNL? No, they're, I guess, they're cast members. I don't think technically, well, I guess they, I don't know if they're technically writers of SNL, but like they're cast members of SNL. Two of I their fathers I, were writers of SNL. But I don't really think I recall them being in skits on SNL outside of no, their... No, no, because that's what they do. It's It's, please don't destroy. It's like... When uh, Yorma and Akiva were, they were obviously not cast members, but Lonely Island was doing those, the the SNL shorts. But that's the thing. These people are said to be cast members. I don't know. I feel like, I I think, I think if they're on an episode, it says, and uh, please don't destroy video. Yeah. Like Robert Smigel wasn't announced as a cast member. He was just like 
and a movie by Robert Smigel or whatever it was. Not a movie. I do. TV I feel like I do remember reading that they were actually writers too. It's possible. It's very you possible. Know, I, I mean, I know they would be writing these things, so. Yeah, I kind of feel like I remember because they were also on uh, Channel 11 when they were coming around here uh, doing their performances. And I kind of remember them saying that they were also writers for SNL yeah. as well. Second generation talent. Yeah, but. Well, yeah. Three of, uh, two of the three of them. But they, uh, always, the last... they, do, they do have very funny skits. I mean, I did like the one with like Bad Bunny, but then there was like parts of that one where I'm like. <laughs> Like, where it's, like, gets dumb. That's what I feel like... That's the majority of SNL, though. What do you mean? Like, they're, it's meant to be dumb. Yeah, sometimes it gets too dumb for me, though. Well, my last shout-out is going to Albert Brooks' Defending My Life, which is a new documentary on Max. I still think it's dumb that they dropped HBO from HBO Max. But uh, it's Rob Reiner interviewing and directing he's like interviewing everybody that's being interviewed Uh, it's Mm kind of dumb to say but he's been friends with albert brooks since high school which i think is pretty cool and it's packed with stars like larry david steven spielberg again conan o'brien's in this and if you don't know about albert brooks i think it's a good documentary to help you learn about him and uh i i think he's in like a class of his own when it comes to comedians and he's uh, the brother of Bob Einstein from Marty Funkhauser, Super Dave Osborne, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Their father was a, a comedian. I'm not f- familiar with Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks, Brooks you, uh, I'm sure you've seen movies of his, but like role-wise off the top of my head, like I think his most oh. famous role would be Nemo's father from Finding Nemo. Okay. But also, Albert Brooks has a rich history with SNL, too. He's the whole reason why Saturday Night Live has guest hosts. Really? Yeah, Dick Ebersol wanted the show to be his show, like his sketch show or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, eh, we should do, a, you should have a, a, ro- a rotating list of guest hosts. Huh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I just I just know him from like some of this stuff from like the 80s. Yeah. He's not in a lot of movies these days. Yeah. So I would yeah, check it in... out. It's a documentary if you like documentaries. Yeah. Those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our, our... moment of the week. That is right, our mark out moment of the week. I think right off the bat, just because I just spoke, two of my shout outs were kind of SNL related. Non wrestling mark out wise, something that blew my mind this week finding out was that the Hanukkah song was almost performed by Roseanne on Saturday Night Live when she hosted Green Day, were the musical guest. And she was the one to be like, no, Adam Sandler wrote this. Let him perform it. And then he performed it that episode on Weekend Update. Thank goodness it wasn't her. I, I, that blew me away to find out that, That's that Roseanne Barr was supposed to sing the, yeah. that song. Uh, something that I marked out for was the backstage segment at AEW with Jay Lethal and Ric Flair. Why? 
uh, because I mean the the famous TNA mm-hmm. clip of them going back and forth wooing the woo off. So I definitely pop for them walking past each other and then just like eyeing each other. I could throw in an AEW markout moment was during that main event at Full Gear between MJF and Jay White. As dumb as the match was, the RKO that MJF did over the top rope, I think, will probably be the best thing. Was the S was the Full Gear pay per view that was on uh, last week? I think that was probably the best spot from last week in AEW. You know, and I marked out for the Young Bucks not having a title match. You know, well, they luckily, lost their number one contendership, so that's at least good. Yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, and then there were many spots that I marked out over with the Texas Death Match during Swerve versus Hangman, but then there were other parts of that match where it wasn't for me. Yeah, you know, there were some parts that were definitely cool, but then innovative. But then there were other parts that I was just like, eh. I think I yeah, the most disgusting, the most disgusting spot in wrestling probably this year will go to that match. Yeah, with Hangman drinking mm. the blood. Well, I guess putting the blood of Swerve no, he drank in his it. mouth. He swallowed. Well, no, I, no, he, he spit. spit it out like Triple H or Gangrel. Yeah, he did like the like Gangrel. The, yeah, like but that. but he yeah he I can't he did, like, see blood uh, like I can't see no blood gone having. I know. Ugh. It had to no. have gone down. Yeah, that definitely went down the tubes. Did you happen to see uh, a Wayne Gretzky interview with Theo Vaughn on his podcast that pops up on probably your Instagram feed at all this week? No. So Wayne Gretzky was on Theo Vaughn's podcast, and he told this story about how it was December 24th, and he went to the mall to get last-minute Christmas gifts for his kids, and he gets home... And he said, I don't know how many hours later, but he was like around 7 p.m. He gets a phone call and he get he, the phone call. He answers, Wayne, it's Terry. <laughs> and Wayne Gretzky's like, who? And he goes, it's Hulk Hogan. And it turned out that the valets accidentally gave his car to Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan's car to Wayne Gretzky. What? They had the same car. So they end up agreeing to meet halfway and switched back. How does that even, how do you like not notice that you're not in your car? I guess because it's the same exact car. You really have to have like your car <laughs> empty though. Yeah, very much so. Like you, you really have to either be so like tunnel vision or not just, just have a very, very clean car where you're not looking over and be like, oh yeah, that's my piece of paper on the, on the ground over there or something like you have to really... And first of all, kudos to both of them for going to a mall on December 24th for last-minute gifts. Like, wait a... Wait what last year was minute. this? I don't know what year it was, but it was... I guess it had to have been, like, the, the 90s or something. That's wild. So they, they switch back, but what's so bizarre about this is that if Hulk Hogan was the one to go on a podcast and tell this story... It would be all over the internet as, nah, this, no way did this happen. This is a Hogan lie story. And because it's coming from Wayne Gretzky, it's like, it's just, it's so bizarre that this is actually true, I guess. Yeah, it does seem like such a 
It seems story. like a Hogan lie. It really seems like that. Like, hey, brother, so get this. I was going out Christmas shopping one year. Valet gives me back my car. I get home, and then I get a phone call from Wayne Gretzky, and he's like, Terry, it's Wayne. We got our car switched. <laughs> that would be like, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess that did happen in Wayne Gretzky. I thought that was such a random thing to have come up during that uh, that interview with Theo Vaughn and Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, it's definitely... Yeah, I agree with you. But do uh, you have any other mark-out moments? You know, maybe potentially marking out for whoever steps up to Nakamura's challenge or if there's a challenge or if it's... But I guess just... that would be on next week's episode, perhaps? Yeah, I guess we're maybe we'll find out on Survivor Series what happens with that. I mean, Nakamura's been doing great promos with it. Yeah. So potential markout moment for the reveal this weekend on that. If that happens. But if that happens, yeah. This has been episode 668. Thank you so much for listening and spending your post-Thanksgiving holiday with us. Again, you could check out ProWrestlingTees.com slash out. The sale is until Monday, Cyber sale. Monday. There's uh, no code necessary. It's just 20% off. You can follow us on Twitter at MarkinOut, at BTTG161, on Instagram and Twitter, Chris Sweendog, CMSweeney85, David PTDPT on both platforms or all platforms, Facebook.com slash MarkinOut, YouTube and Instagram is MarkinOut11, uh, MarkinOut on TikTok. Of course, you could, you could rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts for now, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and whatever else you listen on, you can listen on MarkingOut.com as well. And we wish you the the best of luck in your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week.